0: Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries.
1: Welcome to this episode of Growth Island. My name is Mess Freeze, and I'm your host as always. And today we're going to dig into a subject that I've really wanted to learn about for several years. It's one of the big things when it comes to health and big uh, breakthroughs in regards to us living some healthy uh, lives. Potentially also living longer. We're going to learn more about today whether it's actually pushing in that front as well. So for that, I looked into who are some of the best in the world in this subject. And I found one of the top people. He is a professor at the Heinrich Hein University in Düsseldorf, Germany. He's the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal Stem Cell Research. So the subject, as you might have guessed now, is stem cells. Something that if you've been in the biohacking circle or longevity circles, you definitely heard about it. Even it's getting more mainstream. One of my friends had his knee with like this new uh, new procedure done in Copenhagen with stem cells. So this is something that's popping up many places, but today we're going to learn more about it. And for that, I got Alejandro Pigione,
2: if I said it right. Alessandro, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very happy to discuss this topic uh, that I'm also very passionate about. Thank you.
1: So you're doing some sort of the really cool research in this area. How did you get into that?
2: Yeah. So basically, I I mean, I'm interested in somehow doing some good, like everybody, I guess. So I started being wanted to do be a medical doctor, but I realized that there were two issues that I were not good for my personality was that. A lot of responsibilities, So, because something goes wrong, of course. But also that you need to study a lot of things, but very, let's say, superficial. Instead, I was much better. It's a very smaller subject, more in-depth. So I realized that it was not good for me and how I am I'm built. So I, I started looking into, into research. So then I started a PhD. And so that I, I found that I could deal better with responsibilities, because if my cells die, My cell culture, uh, you know, dies. It's not like my patient would die. But in the long term, I can still be helpful. And also for my way of approaching, I don't know, knowledge, I find that I could see it and think in a much more relaxed way rather than being in a hospital where you need to think on your feet immediately and do something. So that was not good for my personality. So that's how I started my my experience, my journey. Uh, And then I basically started, let's say, from a medical part from uh, interesting about disease. But then I heard about stem cell, like you also maybe have heard that I said, and that was the time, maybe we will go through this topic, when there was a big big through into making stem cell from normal cells of your body. And so then I started going into this topic that was in 2018. And since then, I'm in this topic continuously. Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: So for someone sitting out this like stem cells, i never heard about that before. What, yes. what is stem cells? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that seems like, a, you know, easy question, but, in part, but basically somehow this knowledge is still not in the general public, and which is surprising because stem cell is very easy to define. It's just a cell that lives longer. That means can be uh, eternal if you want, they can live longer and then can differentiate, can become something else. So just two properties, living longer and then differentiating, becoming something else. But these two properties are slightly different depending on the type of stem cell. And this is why I think that their complication arise, and that's why there's also some misunderstanding in the public, and that's why there's this, on one hand, this idea of hope the stem cell could be the cure of everything, and also, on the other hand, people that can take advantage of that and can say, okay, I can sell you this stem cell and you will be cured. And so we need to really understand which Kind of stem cell. So that's when somebody talk about stem cell, the first question is which stem cell? And, and so basically, just to make it easier, there's two types of stem cells. There's a stem cell that can do everything. These are the stem cells that generate us, so that like embryonic stem cell. And, and then there are stem cells that are in our body that can do a specific a num thing, or a specific type of cells. For example, we have muscle stem cell. We have uh, a brain stem cell. We have intestinal stem cell, and these they can do a very specific things. They can generate, for example, in the brain, they can generate neurons or cells of the brain. In the muscle, they, but they cannot do other things. So I think that's very important to to remember. And these are so-called adult stem cells. So they can be also in the your adult body. And these so just to finish, and these are the ones that upon aging. These are the ones that we start be depleting, so that the ones that are, that are so-called also responsible for age, that means this pool of stem cells upon that we have, this adult stem cell, over time they will be lower.
1: So my friend that got a knee operation with stem cells, he would
2: have gotten some muscle stem cells, I'm guessing? Yeah, probably with these are, I guess, mesenchymal stem cells that can be derived from the brain from the bone marrow so from uh, bones and these they can generate bones or cartilage or connective tissue so i guess and this can be also taken from uh, your own from your own bone marrow so this is so-called autologous that means you don't need somebody else and this is good because you don't generate uh, an immune reaction if you would take this from somebody else there's always some antibodies or some reaction that come from our immune system they might reject. Yeah. So if you can get it from your normal bone marrow, you can then avoid that. But these are specialized stem cells and these are stem cells that reside in your body uh, and these are not, let's say able per se to make other things like neurons or other things. Got it.
1: So basically, stem cells, they uh, seem to be able to live longer or potentially theoretically eternal. That's important. There's two different types of stem cells and the stem cells can have different functions. That's kind of like part of the foundation that we need to understand.
2: Yes, exactly. So like I say, in principle, it's very easy, but on the other hand, when you like for everything, the more you start you know, digging, that it becomes more complicated. But yes, that's basically the point that we need to know which kind of stem cell we're talking about. And then also, and then once we know which kind, then what they can really do. Uh, 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 And that's basically the main important information. Yes.
1: Okay. And you can both have stem cells from yourself, but you can also get stem cells from other people.
2: Yes. 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 But when you get it from other people, like I said, you get this complication of potentially getting your rejection because you need to, your body will protect you against whatever comes from uh, that is foreigner. And this basically is the the dogma. And this is how how we are, were born and what we from what we were generating what we have in the body, but then of course uh, there are there were something that we as scientists people have been able to to do, which is to change this and this is why I also become fascinated with that because, like I said, one type of stem cell can is programmed is made to do a certain thing, but we can change that, and so that's what is becoming very interesting also in the field uh, of, of aging. And basically, this is called reprogram. And this was what the, the Nobel Prize of Shinama Yamanaka in 2016. So basically, to make it uh, you know easier, um, you can make any kind of, your, of cells of your body to big stem cell, but the one that can do everything, the one that is like an embryo. So you can reprogram. And so this changes everything because that means that suddenly you don't need to have only your bone marrow to make you know your knee operation, but you can get your skin cells, get reprogrammed. And then with this cell, stem cell that are artificially made by us, we can do both. We can do both the knee, but also the brain. And that becomes all the excitement because with this possibility to artificially change what the st- the cells can do, and artificially make make stem cell, this increased our number of possibilities of what we can do. Yeah. so, normal stem cells, they come from the bone marrow. For example, the one that are for example, there there are these are bone marrow stem cell, but there are muscle stem cell, there are neural stem cell. These are in different organs. You have different sort of stem cell population. They're so called in a niche means in a in a in an environment, and this is different environment, in different organs of our body.
1: Okay. Yes. And then we can kind of manipulate them. That's where the yes, the level of science comes in. Yes. And then we were able to take muscle stem cells and change that in so it can do something for brain stem cells or bones and so on.
2: Yes. So we can change, yeah, we can uh, reprogram, that's the yeah. word, we can reprogram a, a cell that it's not necessarily a stem cell, it can be something from your skin and we can make it become a stem cell. And that means that from your skin, you can then do and do everything. And that was the excitement, like I say, in 2016, when the Shina Yamanaka got the Nobel Prize because the field or, or medical field thought, okay, that means that we could do everything and it would be very easy. And we see now things are not always that easy when you go to the technical part, because it's true. We can do it in vitro means in our, in the lab, we can do that in the lab, but to transfer that in, in, in real life application that's much more complicated because of, yeah, technical technical reason and uh,
1: something often to do. Things, often things are easier in vitro, like yeah. doing a lab. And then yes. we have to get it to rats and we have to get it to humans. and, and yes. So, so. yes. So what are some of the amazing things that we can do with stem cells right now in regards to treatments that we by now know that kind of works well? And then we can move into some of the more like futuristic things that we hope that it will be able to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, this kind of, when you mentioned, uh, you know, the knee operation or very specific kind of operation in in, in your body, this, it works. So there are procedures that are based on mesenchymal stem cell. These are like from your tissue Uh, and this, we know it works, but it's limited. So we cannot, let's say, repair the nervous system or repair your heart. Uh, effectively. Uh, and so the real thing comes when we use this reprogrammed stem cell because they could do that. And so there is now uh, some clinical trial for retinal, so for the eye a- and also for uh, for the brain using this reprogrammed stem cell um, that you can make from your own skin you reprogram them, and then you can use them to repair the, re- so the eye problem, or also in the brain, there's a clinical trial also on um, on Parkinson's disease, where you can then, because from stem cell, you can make neurons, and you can use these neurons to replace the lost neurons that are caused by the degeneration of Parkinson's disease. So these are the things that are already happening. But what maybe you might have heard is really in the field of aging, because there's recently, uh, there are several companies that are being also uh, a biotech company into this, yeah, reprogramming or rejuvenation field. where because it has been shown in, in mice that you can also make the mice, the whole mice look a bit younger when you use this sort of reprogramming approach. It's not so easy because the, the, the downside is really cancer, which because if you want to make the cells proliferate, because like I said, the two features of stem right proliferation and, and then differentiation. So if you make the cells proliferate too much, that's what you can get, which is cancer. So, so it's not so easy, but since because of this study uh, in vivo in animals... There is now this idea that you can have this rejuvenation also in, in humans and, and and you can reprogram your own, you know, body, yep. but this is really what is far away still. That
1: we still need to wait some years and some more research and a lot of fails To but That's interesting, like that, if we can crack it, we can rejuvenate. If we try it out and test it, we might get in cancer instead, right? So it's very important to know if you're in the early stages of testing something out, what are the risks? because there's always risk even when it's yes. like when it's been more tested so, but it's amazing that we can regenerate the eye.
2: Yeah, the eye is quite peculiar because it's a very, it's very protective from the rest. So it's a very confined space, and it's also in terms of immune response that the cell they come to, to respond. So it's very protective. So it's a, it's an area that can be easily, let's say, targeted without uh, being worried that things happen uh, somewhere else. So that's why it's also been used as a proof of uh, concept now.
1: Yeah, got it. So there is this guy that's quite famous in the health circles, so biohacking circles, called Dave Asprey. I'm not sure if you ever heard about him. No. What is he working so, on? So he, is, he has one of the biggest, he has one of, a really big podcast on health and okay. different things. But he's like the father of the term biohacking, which can be understood in many different ways. Uh, and he's very much at the experimental side. So he tries things way before that the public would do it, right? Uh, yeah. All of you would be in a trial. And one of the things that he's been using stem cells for is uh, his penis. Uh, I'm not sure whether you call it more energy into that or uh, or getting more. Is that anything that you heard about, like for the general health and put it down there, or is that more like the Hollywood people that has too much money and heard this (laughs) this is interesting?
2: To be honest, I've not heard of that. I'm also trying to think. Why? because there are there are kind of stem cell there are the spermatogonial stem cells, the one that then generate the sperm these are very interesting because they can only make sperm these are we said the stem cell can do a lot of things but these are unipotent they can only do one thing so they are very interesting stem cell so and we're and there's been some very interesting thing that especially with these reprogrammed cells if you think about it if you're a couple let's say homosexual couple mm-hmm. and you don't have so you want to make let's say eggs or, or sperm from your skin, you could do it potentially. So that's what we're trying to see if you can make. Hey, hold on, I got like it So yeah. you would take, let's say you're a woman,
1: and you're yeah. able to take the skin from the woman and make mm-hmm. that into sperm cell or sperm yeah. that could yeah. then actually make the woman pregnant.
2: Yeah. These, I mean, there are of course barriers, the uh, you know, ethical barrier of what you could do, but yeah. that's what being been studied in my, So the ability to these permatogonas themselves, they're quite tricky. So they're, I'm I'm not working on these, but so we they're still
1: have uh, some years as men. Yes, we are totally redundant. <laughs> they don't even need <laughs> a donor. Then uh, okay,
2: yeah. But this is these are the the thing that you can manipulate and make cells doing something. But in the let's say. In the penis itself, the only thing that I was thinking is this, or maybe muscles that you can make, but muscle stem cells are quite tricky to, to, to differentiate. So I'm not sure. I didn't no. know. I don't know about that. <laughs> A lot of
1: weird stuff is happening in Hollywood. testing <laughs> testing uh, new things and trying to be young, right? So would, yeah. it, would it be likely that in the future we would get stem cells to also build up our muscles faster? Or what do you think?
2: yeah yeah I yeah, I don't know. I don't know because to be honest, this is something that i I know there's a lot of hype in this, but I think that actually, to be honest, the best thing would be to make your own local stem cell healthier. Rather than injecting something, and then there's also some tendency to think that technology is better, and we just have uh, and then we can use it. But but with technology, one other thing it's also that sometimes you get other side effects that you don't want. So if you could in a way that you help your own stem cell to 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 make better uh, muscles, I would favor that. I'm not sure how much you would transplant something, and then they need to I don't know. But yes, but theoretically it's possible that you can improve some local body part of your body with some specific stem cell the, the, the difficult thing that i just mentioned before is the total body let's say rejuvenation that's the holy grail that this biotech are, are now working on but this eye it's much more complex also because of this cancer side effect
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense so as understand is where we are the furthest with stem cells is on uh, local places like at the body so like you're saying in the eye it might be in the knee, potentially, I think I read something that people thought that one day you would put stem cells in you uh, to keep your hair longer. I heard about it, with was something called lichen which is an intimate disease that's in, at the vagina or the penis, where they're also experimenting with getting that better because it kind of, it ruins the skin. So that's where stem cells is most applicable right now, like specific things where we want to heal something. Is that correct? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yes. So basically this all you mentioned, it all makes sense. This is all about under the umbrella. It's called regenerative medicine to regenerate. But yes, this is one main application of stem cell. But there are other applications that are not necessarily to regenerate something. So because you can use stem cell also for the ability to make, like I said, other cell type. And you can use this cell type. For example, uh, one big uh, use right now is really for drug discovery. And uh, even Shina Yamanaka that uh, got the Nobel Prize for this reprogram stem cell, he said he didn't envision that. He thought, I make this reprogram stem cell and the most useful thing would be to to use them to go back to yourself because it's, you don't have a problem for immuno to block your immune system. So you could make your cells, make neurons and replace for regenerative medicine, but this is challenging, like I said before. Like you said, for it's good, it's working for some specific, but there's, there's there. So another area is really to use the sensor outside of your body, and, and then use them for their ability to make a lot of cells, and because they proliferate, the ability to make specific cells like neurons, and that's also what I'm working on. So we use this sensor to differentiate into specific uh, cells or or tissue. And there you can do something with the cells. You can study a disease or you can find the drugs. A lot of pharma companies are now using, commonly using or implementing a, a lot of stem cell related pipelines because they can make a lot of things. So, And you can make them in a personalized manner. So let's say I'm, I'm, I have a certain disease and I give you my, my skin and then you can reprogram into iPS cells, make neurons and test. What these neurons, what can we make it better or test specific drugs? What are these most likely side effects? Uh, so then if you see, oh, I, your side, uh, you're more sensitive to this drug, then you when you, when you decide which kind of drug you want to give me, you, you already know because you already tested in my specific sense. So this is a whole area that I'm more working on, less on sort of regenerative medicine, but really in using stem cell to build a model of a disease or also to test drugs. And this is really interesting because there's this new field that is exploding, which is the field of organoid. Because we don't from stem cell, we just some just make neurons or something, but we can build an organ and people start to build complex things. You can build the Brain-like structure, you can build lungs you can, and you can start connecting them. You can make brain and muscles together in vitro so you can start. And there's already people thinking, oh, but if we let this brain, they're called organoids. If we let these brain organoids grow, will they start thinking? Will they start feeling pain? There's a lot of discussion about what we can make with stem cells outside of the body. So not only for regenerative to go back, but really to study in the lab and we can make things uh, that we didn't, that we were not able to make before. And we can make this in the lab, and we can make an organ, and we can see what is wrong with a certain disease. We can test drugs. So this is one big uh, application of stem cell so that it's also what I'm working on. And it's also a lot of really exploding risks.
1: That is super interesting. So it makes a lot of sense that we can then test and figure out, like, what's the best medicine so we can both use protein, yeah. That would be much better because today we are giving the wrong medicine way too often and also we want to discover better medicine more fast, right? I think I read it was in it was a German insurance company that found out that every half an hour someone dies in Germany because of the wrong medicine. So if we can get closer on that, then of course you could ask like when would they have died otherwise? Would they have died two or three months later or two or three days? So there's always when you hear these crazy statistics, like everything is more complex, right? Yeah. But it, I really... Super fascinated by what you said. Like what if you grow and like part of a brain can that feel and think? Yeah. That's a big yeah, ethical this is, dilemma.
2: Yes. So there's some ethical exactly there there's this really some ethical issue now coming with what we can really build. So like I said, we can like you know, we said we discussed before about maybe making a sperm from a person that in principle wouldn't make a sperm, but you can also build more complex structure like a brain, or and then you can start thinking, okay, oh how when do we stop? And do we have to think about it that these sort of clumps of cells will start generating thoughts? There is a I'm not studying on and this ethical aspect, but there's people already posing this question because we need guidelines. That's a really important thing about stem cell. Since they have this ability or this hope. They can do so many things. You really need to be careful in in how far you can go. So there there has to be international guidelines that set the the standards. Oh, this you're not allowed to go over a certain number of days. For example, you can make also embryo in a lab. So you're not allowed to let them develop over a certain time. You don't want to make a baby made of of your own stem so that you play around. So so there is really limit of some uh, age of, of days days in the lab that you can keep certain, but for the brain organoids, it's still, it's still not clear because for example, there's still labs, they kept them for over uh, years in the lab, so six years in the lab, and still they're just a clump of cells. But in principle, they can record, they can have, this, they, they look like uh, a mini, they were called mini brain in the past. And then they realized that a lot of people had a misconception they, 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 and now they, they are stopped calling it this way because it was really a misunderstanding with the public. They were thinking that they were really a mini brain and now we are called organoid. But you can connect them with other tissue. You can start in principle, have this also like a. in the future, you could build them all together and have a like a mini body maybe that you connect different tissues, mini lungs and mini brain, and then you can see how they connect and you can start testing drugs on one case or also put them into animals. This is also what other people do. They're called chimera. So that means you can make, for example, a brain organo and you put it into a pig. And then then what happens? Do the pig become smarter? So the people are trying to do these kind of things that are uh, a bit also yeah strange but these are posts there's something thing that is possible so you can for example make a, a liver and then put it in a pig so that then you can make a grow bigger and so then you can have better for for because then you can use this for uh, for transplantation for regenerative medicine but you know there are other things that one could do for example also going a bit beyond like i said this making the animals maybe smarter if we put our uh, cells there and there are some hints that this could be possible but yeah but but there are also barriers yeah
1: of course it's going to be interesting if we caught up in 20 years time or 30 years time where we are at that point but it sounds Uh, so basically in in theory and principle as you say You'll be able with stem cells to create organs. So if I'm missing a new luma, we'll be able to kind of farm it with that. Do you think that's, or is that the same? Like when we talk about 3D printing organs, organs because we already took a heart from a pig, did something, manipulated and implanted it in a human, right? So how is like 3D printing, like doing something with a heart related to stem cells? Is it some of yes. the same or is it?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, in principle, yes. In principle, the, the idea of this printing is that you you want to develop in 3D, right? You want to develop a structure. And this is the really the, the difficult thing or the big step. Because once we grow things in the lab all in one layer, then you cannot develop anything. So once you start building this organoid, yeah, then you can make this 3D printing that you can start, you want the organoid to have a certain shape because that's what makes it an organ. And so this is what the field is working on. And, and this is really an explosion of things. And of course, there's so many things that you need to in order to make an organ because they're all connected right so and so but that's very exciting and so and that's also continuously new advances every day these possibilities of really physically making it more and more similar to the actual organ just starting from one single cells for example from your skin from one cells of your skin be able to make a whole organ so that's what people are working on
1: and how much do you like
2: how much do you need
1: to get started, is it like a big chunk of skin or is it? No, very
2: small. You can also do it not only from skin, but you can use it from blood or also from urine. So you can may use your uri- just your urine. So you can pee and then there's some uh, cells that you can, in your urine, that are coming from the kidney. And then using this, you can expand them and reprogram them. So in principle, it just with the skin is easier because then there you have more cells. But still, even if for the skin, it's just a small amount. So that's not uh, an issue. So if we're just
1: talking like uh, crazy thoughts, uh, in the future, you'd be able to have a toilet and someone would pick up my urine and they would to recreate some of me by having, that. if in principle, these things continue to develop in yes. my
2: path, right? Yes. And the other thing that we haven't touched upon, of course, is all this new explosion about genome uh, editing, right? With CRISPR-Cas. Probably also this person that you mentioned about biohacking might have tried CRISPR-Cas <laughs> on, on himself. So that's the other explosion. On one hand, is the so these are the three pillars, let's say. Or the, so one is this rejuvenation of reprogramming. The other one is organ, be able to make organ in 3D. And the third, of course, is be able to modify the genome. And then really in a precise manner with CRISPR-Cas. And you might have heard a, a few years ago, this case in China where they are Actually, scientists really modified the gene of, of babies that were let, and then they were, now they are alive, but we don't know about this. I think, I don't remember the name, something like Lily or, or there was, I mean, the, the, not the real name, but, but the, the scientist now is in prison. But after that, there was a big uh, scandal in uh, research say, okay, we cannot just modify the gene or whatever mm. we want. But in principle, these are together. These are really the powerful, they the ability to change the fate, so to reprogram, the ability to build things with these organs in 3D, and the ability to modify the genome. So these are really powerful technologies that if we can put them together, one can really be able to do uh, important things for medicine or f- for, I don't know, aging or healthy aging. But this is, yeah,
1: we will see. How many
2: years do you,
1: I know it's a hard project, but how many years do you think it's going to be before... We are like those next stages. So I, I talked to a few people on longevity and they're kind of projecting like 2029 or 2049. There's Ray Kirchfeld that's kind of projected some things. What uh, What's your feeling from where you're sitting in yeah. the research
2: perspective? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this I don't know. This is a, because I, I mean, I don't work on longevity, so I'm mainly working on this part, like I said, to make the organoids or the cells to test drugs. And when are we more?
1: When are we? But I, with that, or are we already where we need to be to to test drugs really well?
2: Yeah, but these were already there. So I think that's where my hope would be if I could be able, you know, to find some cure for some incurable disease. That would be my 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 hope. Whether we can actually modify. The age, you know, limit of the whole human population, that's really beyond, I, I, I'm really not, to be honest, I'm really not sure that it's so easy as the, the people now think, because there's so many things to think about it, because like I said before, these stems of population decrease over time, right? So what if you want to rejuvenate? Yes, but some that are already decreasing and so, and there's already damage that has been done. So... It could be that in order, it could be, some people think, in order to allow this, you know, increased longevity, you might have to act on the stem cell before birth. So, like, in, you know, prenatal, in the in your mother uterus, and go there and do something to make the stem cell healthier and so on, so that then when you're born, so... I don't know, this is something really like more science fiction than real science. But of course, there's a lot of money and a lot of interest, like you said, with people, from people with money yeah. that, that they would, you know, hope to live longer. And, and there are some studies in mice there, even just by exchanging the blood of you know, a younger animal to an older animal. You can, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know how many years. This is hard to predict. Of course, science is so fast. And things develop so fast. So a few years ago, we didn't have this genome editing or this reprogramming. So who knows? I'm also. I'm not. an ne- I don't want to be negative. I'm also, you know, optimistic. But there, I am. But I just simply cannot give a, a an estimate. And it's
1: always hard to get researchers because they feel more accountable. So it's often more conservative when you ask. Yes,
2: Christians. but uh, usually we're so used to to be on the optimistic side, we usually say, yes, I can make this project We write a grant to get money yeah. research. And you usually say in three years, we can do this and that, but it's always longer than that. So okay. my, my experience that there's always takes so much time to really make it to, to happen. So for example, in the field, like we were saying before, in the field that I'm working on, on these rare uh, diseases that are incurable. And these are pediatric disease, so the children are, uh, there's no, nothing to be done. We are, we're good at making this test. The STEM say we're good at making, testing the drug. But from, even if we found now some candidates from there to really going to be able to go to the patient, so it's so long because you need to make this clinical trial and you need to go to the, to the European, now we're going to the European Medical Agency, we need to have this and that. So it really takes a long time to go from, let's say, a disc- an exciting discovery to a practical application.
1: Yeah. What so now you're in the field, but for someone like me or someone that's not in the field, how what would you suggest that we do to kind of um what do you say, block out the noise? Like kinda understand like what is real and what is not real and when is it actually something that uh, if you're in some kind of situation you either have the challenges mentally, not mentally, physically or mentally, or you have the money to do something else for you. How what would you use as like as the guiding line to figure out because as you said, it takes a long time before things get approved and if you're really sick or something else, I know it's hard for you to recommend anyone to do something that's not fully approved, but like, how do you figure out whether someone is like a total scam or whether they they might just be early days?
2: Yes, that's a very important question and so we see also now with this age of uh, misinformation is really, so my, my, you know, I don't know, my my idea is always to rely on experts and, and I know Sometimes there are also scams among experts. That happens. But in general, if you rely on some... So if you see a publication out there, it doesn't mean that necessarily it's true just because it's published. Unfortunately, that's the case. So you really need to see who published in which journal, when, how, and unfortunately some of the the work is also on the public side, which is a bit really the shame of the scientific field in general, that that it's not able to block this noise, like you said. So I would say that you need to do some homework to understand first, And then content people and then like you said we also have this drug that it's not yet approved but we're doing some compassionate use in a small number of patients that are content reading the papers that we publish and so on so you can do that if you, so you see a certain scientist some working. You can contact and say, "Okay, do you have something going on?" and so on, because you can be part of the say of the of the first people trying a certain uh, medicine or procedure. So this is possible, but you really need target people that are in a respect or whatever boring, respectful institution. And that's unfortunately still the, the thing that, that, that makes it the first step to believe something. If someone is in a strange institute or, uh, and is claiming a lot, usually it's a red light. Yeah, makes sense. You, when we spoke before, you mentioned something about mitochondria and stem cells
1: that is important to understand. And so the way I understand mitochondria is kind of like it's the powerhouses of the cell. Is what I've been told. And basically, like if for someone that comes with a business background, if mitochondria are doing well, your cells are doing well, you are doing much better. That's kind of the, the very short explanation I've been told.
2: Yes, exactly. So, yeah, so my, yeah, I may be talking too much about mitochondria because, so please stop me. But yeah, this is really because it's merely my, my, my interest. So, but that's exactly the point. So, mitochondria are, you know, giving the energy to the cell. So if they're healthy, your cells is healthy because they not only give energy, but they do a lot of things because that's interesting because ex- besides our genome, where we have the genes, we have another genome inside the mitochondria. So it's the only additional genomes that we have. So mitochondria, they have their own additional genome that contains genes only to produce energy. So that means this, this, this thing in the cell is very important and has to be regulated by an additional gene. So which means that also for stem cells, yeah, mitochondria are also important, but stem cells some ta- somehow li- make the, uh, like to keep these mitochondria more immature because they're stem cells there. And so that means there are also less mitochondria and they are producing less energy, which could be a bit strange to think about it. But that's because stem cells will, uh, because mitochondria, they also do something else, which is the, the, the downside. While they produce energy, they make these free radicals. You might have heard about free radicals. There are also some, when you eat something, you can eat something that is an antioxidant. So there's something against the free radicals. And these are produced by mitochondria while they produce energy. So the more active cells are also, the, the you know, they have more active mitochondria. They also produce more free radicals. And these can be harmful, can damage your, your genome or your proteins and so on. So stem cells like to keep this mitochondria a bit less active to protect against uh, these free radicals so and then once they differentiate they become more active and then it's also and that's why also the cells then they're produced they start having damage over time when they age so that's why it happens that our cells over time they have damage because of this activity of the mitochondria so in principle there is some possibility of, of transferring only mitochondria, so without the cells. So there's been some studies that you can transfer mitochondria from healthy, from stem cells that are immature and put them in other cells and they will be, they don't have damage and they could be better. So there's a lot of new, new avenues of just using mitochondria as a therapy that you can, for example, they also for heart because you can inject exogenous mitochondria and they can go there and they can, these are, I mean, we don't do that. I'm not doing this, but I, I've read about this that you can, there was operationals in the U S recently where they use these pigs mitochondria. I have a lot of them and then they use that for transplantation. So to provide energy from a source of mitochondria that are healthy. That's fascinating. So, but we can also do a lot to improve our mitochondria,
1: which is not that complex. Like exercise, sleep, yes. um, fasting, photobiomodulation.
2: Yes. I mean, I, I think that this is really something that I'm also... So it's not my field, let's say, of research, but I'm also personally very interested in this. So I also think that it's good to... uh to think about what you eat or what you do or what you put in, in your body. Uh, and because really the fuel uh, create creates, the, the kind of fuel that your cells are exposed to, then they will be different in what they produce. So if you have more sugar or if you have more... Uh, so this is really important, and and this nutrition, and and that's the something the, a lifestyle can be important in how your mitochondria are healthy. So the whole field of nutrition is is, is very important because it's um, because, like I said, what you put in your body it, it makes the difference in what your cells respond and what they will produce, whether they produce free radicals or not. And I think this is not only for us, let's say, healthy, but also for patients. And so that's also what I'm working on with this patient, with this mitochondrial diseases, where these mitochondria do not work. And so the way also they uh, either exercise or not, or what they eat, this is really important. And, and so this is becoming also clear that it, also the early part. Like I said, I mentioned before, something even before birth. Something happened, that something happened when our stem cells were more, when, when our body were generating, in what was even at that time what we were exposed also makes a difference. So basically the environment and the way we treat ourselves is shaping our, our body. So I think that the the thing you mentioned before about nutrition or about, um, weight or exercising or uh, your lifestyle uh, can, or whether you eat vegetarian or or meat, this is also things that are so important. and, And this is something that such an explosion of field of this, and they also influence the stem cell capacity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Alessandro, what do you do as a private individual to to <laughs> stay on top of your game apart from uh, doing the research so that we can stay on the top easier?
2: Yes. So actually for me, I'm always, personally, I'm very grounded by my family. So I have my daughter, my wife. So I'm very, so also during this difficult time during, by, by during a difficult time of lockdown and so on, for us, we were. we're you know very happy because we have a nice family we live in a bubble luckily none of my relatives were affected so for me now the routine of working from home was actually very pleasant I can do my yoga in the morning I can do my, my daily fasting too uh, uh, and then I can then start doing my video calls so I hey, do, you, do that I... fasting or do you do 24 hours or like several day fasting or Well, I just do something that it's compatible with the normal life, which is basically to at least do 12 hours, very easy, at least 12 hours fasting every day. So at least to avoid soupy thing, let's do a snack in the evening or these kind of things that don't make any sense. And and so I think I, uh, so I, I just have a regular boring life. My daughter comes, so we, so I just don't I, I, but I, I just try within these borders to to have some of this structure, have some, you know, healthy exercise, not too much, or by this uh, healthy, sort of fasting, but not too much. So just something to keep me, let's say, a little bit, but not in a position where I try something extreme. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: makes sense. Time is running really fast. I can see that I could be speaking with you for hours. It's so fascinating and fantastic how we are evolving the research yet also in some point scary from the ethical perspective what we can do and what it changes to be human i think i'll have to make one episode on that at one point but uh, being an optimist then i very much look at the the bright side of it and believe that we'll do the right things and i hope that we'll continue i always ask my guest in the end what is uh, if you have to give three advice on how to live a happy healthy and meaningful life so it doesn't have to be related to stem cells
2: yeah sure so for me it's also what i was saying in the beginning right that i was that I wanted to do something good in my life, but it was was not good for myself. So I think it really, if you're lucky or if you're able, you should, some, I think the, the, what makes the whole difference is something that makes you you know, satisfied. And so if I was, let's say, like I said at the beginning, I wanted to be a doctor, but then I was very stressed and very, maybe I was some making somebody else better, but not myself and then wouldn't bring any. So I think by working on, on on trying something that it makes you satisfied and 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 happy then you can give this back so i think this for me is uh, the first most important thing but of course then also being lucky and and finding somebody that can be uh, there for you i think that's the other main part that uh, yeah, that of course is both things are hard and but for me this also makes a difference and also because i i like it also the third thing for me is also to do something that maybe are different from what you usually thought so for me that was also related to the fact of living in another living abroad because i i I was i'm from italy from milan and then i was in the us germany and now we live in also in the netherlands so i i just by by having a different perspective and just by thinking i don't have To do what everybody else does i think this liberates me from all this pressure of being like everybody else so i think that for me is another thing that if you can liberate yourself from what you think that is expected from you then it's you can start also doing Maybe not that you do anything exceptional, but you're, at least you're free from these expectations. And for me, living abroad makes this trick, but it doesn't have to be. But I think that's something that it really depends how you are. So I would say maybe these three things. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Alessandro. Where can people find out more about
1: it? About you if they're like, I want to learn more about this research and so on?
2: Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, uh, we have our... Lab website. I also have my Twitter uh, account. That's also the thing that changed with the social media because now it's so nice with, for example, with scientific community, with Twitter to exchange paper exchange. In real time, you can exchange protocols and details. So, so I would say these are the two major parts on our webpage or, or, or on Twitter. So where I'm always active. Great. I'll put that in the show. An and thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. That was really nice uh, being here and I appreciate your time and everything. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.